Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Weekend Reviews edition of a Celtic Down Under podcast, hosted by myself, Sean, joined by Anthony and Paul. I've just noticed right now that my voice is sounding a little husky. Uh, <laughs> I'm just uh, one week removed from hospital and I appear to have picked up some sort of infection after my surgery, so I apologise in advance uh, for sounding a bit, I don't know, Barry White maybe. Um Rhyming slang intended. How are you doing, uh, Anthony? I'm good, uh, Sean. Good to have you back. Um, uh, we sort of uh, missed you last week, so good to know that you are sort of on the mend, um, as it were. Um, good weekend. Wife was away, so got out to the Celtic Club on Saturday night. Caught with the man himself down, down, down in the bottom of your screen. Um, had a few pints and. Yeah, it was a relatively comfortable affair compared to the Motherwell game where it was like we were, you know, chewing our fingernails off. So, um, so yeah, it was um, a little bit more uh, dominant and one-sided. So good to be there at Johnny Fox's uh, on Saturday night to see that one. Yeah, I was tempted to come along, but I'm just in no condition, to be totally honest. Um, I can barely stand, never mind walk. Uh Paul, uh, did you take up to any shenanigans you want to snitch on Anthony about? No, no. Uh, I, th- I think Anthony went up to other stuff earlier in the day, so he's he'd, uh, had a couple already. So uh, any late night tackles? Rare. It's uh, it's rare that uh, it's rare that it's not me that's had the most. So um, no, it was good. Um, my wife was away actually this weekend as well on a on a girls' weekend, so uh, I had a very tame a uh, few days uh so yeah it was nice to get out for a few pints and uh yeah the the game was relatively straightforward as anthony says and uh we'll get into the detail but yeah i ended up having a few more beers than i intended because uh after the club me and a mate went on to another pub which i had a reasonably sketchy memory of um i did remember the kebab afterwards but the in-between section was a bit of a blur so uh yeah luckily i pulled up okay on sunday um Albeit I still got a bit of a, 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 a mouthful from the wife saying that I hadn't done enough chores, despite I thought I'd done a reasonably good job. So her bar's obviously higher than mine. But uh, as is tends to be the case, to be honest, I think, in most relationships. So yeah, um, other than that, yeah, good weekend, great result. And uh, yeah, good to catch up with uh, Anthony for a beer or two, along with a few other boys that we uh, we knew. Was it busy in Johnny Fox's or did it, was it just the side bar that was open or did they open up the, the upstairs? Just, up, just upstairs. Just upstairs. It, it, it got bizarre, but it was pretty, people were like trundling in a bit later. It was, when we, we got there kind of early, I guess, but it was pretty empty early doors and yeah, it kind of picked up a bit, but it wasn't as busy as the Motherwell game, um, no. which mm-hmm. surprised me. It's, it's probably the most, and since then it's the, it's probably been the best timed fixture 8.30 on a Saturday night in Perth is about nearly as good as it gets for us so I was a wee bit surprised it wasn't a bigger turnout but yeah it, it kind of filled up a bit more as the as the sort of game wore on um, but yeah, yeah still, still, still a good atmosphere a bit of singing later on what the, what the Glasgow pubs would do to have a Saturday night kickoff of a Celtic game uh, they would be absolutely rolling in it if they could do that right but then you know the police would then have to deal with the fallout from that which wouldn't be as great so you know Swings and roundabouts in that sense. Um, I watched the game from my bed, uh, just about, stayed awake for it. Uh, yeah, it was pretty one-way traffic, obviously aided by Ross County correctly, going down to 10 men pretty early on. And from then on, uh, I believe the game finished with 39 shots at goal from Celtic, I think 13 on target, something like that. XG 16, of I think, I point. Eight or something along those lines, but 16 on target. Sorry, yeah, uh, 16 on target, 13 saves. Um, so it was like Ross Laidlaw got man in a match on Sky Sports, not not really surprising given that he did really keep the scoreline respectable. And, and you know, we keep saying in hindsight, comfortable, 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 but it, honestly, did anyone actually feel comfortable at 1 0, 67 minutes? Did anyone actually feel comfortable? There's always a chance you're going to lose a goal at that point. I think until it goes 2 0, you're never actually comfortable, despite it really not being possible to be more dominant, Anthony. Yeah, I was pretty comfortable. Um, like, you know, compared to the St. Martin game, because I actually got a chance to sit and watch the St. Martin game on Saturday afternoon. So I kind of almost did a bit of a 
double header. I watched that at lunchtime and then I caught up with some friends and then went into the Celtic club that night. So at the moment, I'm still trying to sort of separate the St. Run game from the the Ross County game a little bit, just some of the things. So if I, if I start going off on a bit of a tangent or I'm talking about something that didn't happen in the Ross County game, it may or may not have happened in the St. Run game. But compared to that game, that felt a lot more edgy and you felt St. Run had a threat. Um, Ross Tony didn't have that, and then, yeah, in fairness, they went down to 10 men very early on. Um, and let's get the elephant in the room, I suppose. I mean, that's a red card as far as red cards will ever be red cards. I mean, very disappointing that the referee I can't remember his name, but David Munro, David Munro, the fact that he was about five, six yards away and he couldn't pick that as a, as a straight red is a bit disappointing. Um, to that as a leg breaking tackle, um, and the fact that. <clears throat> that he didn't have weight on his foot planted on the ground. I think it's the fact that that, that saved him there. Um, because otherwise, you know, that, that could have very nasty, long-lasting consequences. So um, Ross Tony rightly done it to 10 men. And then, you know, they sort of set the stall out before that, that they were going to, you know, two banks of five and sit deep and and not really sort of presses or put us under too much pressure. So obviously when they lose a man, you kind of got to double down on that strategy because that's obviously what you've practiced all week. So, you know, apart from if they manage to get a set piece or a, a corner, um, then you're not, you know, I couldn't really see a way that they were going to get to us in open play. So, you know, it was always a matter of when we were going to score that first goal and, you know, <laughs> a few, few efforts chalked off for various reasons, um, which, you know, we've been discussing a bit, but, um, you know, you're you're right to credit Ross Laidlaw. Um, you know, the, he 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 did as much as he could to keep the minute, kept the minute for for a, for a lengthy period of time, given the fact that they you know they said they went down to ten men so early on. Um, but we were we were dominant. We, we were creating chances, um, putting putting them under pressure, which you know we're fully expected to do. Um, and you know, compared to the you know the um, St. Run game, it was just a, a lot more one-way traffic, so it felt a lot more comfortable. And yeah, I, I you know, one nil. I'm going. We're going to score more goals, but you know, it's not going to end up one nil. But in no part of my nagging mind, I mean, admittedly, I was you know <laughs> a few beers deep by then. Um, I wasn't sitting there going, "Oh no, I'm worried that they're going to drop the park and store." So, um, so yeah, so no, I thought you know, as relatively comfortable away from home as we've probably been pretty much all season, really. Um, but but dominant and I guess yeah and I'll I'll flick this one to Paul so I'm not talking for too much longer but obviously we had a little bit of discussion before the match about the changes that were made to the team because um, you know Brendan Rodgers did bring in the changes so um, you know there's a little bit of concern not concern but a little bit like well has he made too many changes like has he been a wee bit too like take you know a bit cheeky making as many changes as he has. But then, obviously, you flick back to the Hibs game, which was the weekend before, and we were a bit flat and looked quite one pace. So, you know, it's you know maybe sort of saying, well, we've got to have a look and see what we've got here. So, um, Paul, what's your uh, what was your take? Yeah, the, 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 I think we we spoke in the pub when the team was announced that you know six changes, albeit six sounds a lot. CCV was one of those, so you're kind of expecting that. Um, I. I think there's, there's always a balance with these things. He made what, you know, or Postacoglu made what, three or four changes when we got beat by Samira in that time. And, and you know, you know, people had a huge panic. Um, I was surprised at some of the changes. I think um, Bernardo getting the nod over home surprised me a little bit. Um, uh, but nice to see O'Reilly get a rest. Um, I didn't think he would mix up the midfield quite as much as he did. Um, I was kind of, Yang did well, but I was sort of on the fence whether he would get a crack as well. Again, back to the the changes. I was a big advocate for O getting a start, and I'm glad he did. And um, you know, he he did. You know, he he's pretty unlucky not to get a goal. Uh, I think his overall performance justified that pick. And and to my, I guess to my point last week, you weren't here, Sean, but it was obviously my, it was less about does he deserve to be starting over Kyogo, and more about we're gonna need him over the next sort of two, you know, a couple of months and. The more the more time he gets on the pitch, the, you know, hopefully the, the more match ready he'll be. So for him to get 90 minutes under his belt was more than I was expecting, but it was great. Um, and yeah, look, I, to your point, Sean, I get it at 1-0. There's always, you know, a, a mild concern, but I'll be honest, maybe it was a pints as well. But 
I really wasn't concerned. Like they had three shots all game, nothing on target. It really, after the sending off, became uh, a defense against attack exercise. Um, and and obviously then they sacrificed Jordan White, which is you know one of their main sort of assets and targets in terms of attacking um, sort of setup. So. Yeah, I I wasn't really obviously you want the second and, and the third just puts the gloss in it. But really, you know, but for Laid Laid Love would be much, much further ahead. I'll just say one point on the set sending off. I don't want to sort of take up too much more time on that. Um I get it it looks bad. Um I don't think there's malice there. I'm not saying it's not a red card, it's a red card all day long, but I think um Malcolm McKay said it in his interview, and I think that the players come out since and said it is that he just didn't see him coming. Like he he he's going for that loose ball, and Jan comes on his blind side, nicks it away, and and you know obviously when you slow it down and stop it, it, it looks really really bad. I don't think he's going to do the player, but when the contact's made like that, it's it's got to be a red. Intent is irrelevant to the rules. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, hang on, hang on. Like if you, well, I'm if not you, just talking about the rules. A, was, I, do you remember the one where Nanny, Nanny a few years ago, was watching long ball coming no, over I, his head and he catches on, the goalkeeper in the face ta- with I'm, the studs? Yeah, I'm not talking about it not being a red. It's a red all day long, but, yeah. you know, Anthony made the point. Oh, no, I'm not. A, sorry, I'm not. It could be a leg breaker. It could be a leg breaker. And it, it could be, but it was, it, for me, there's no intent there. So that I don't think he's... his defence that he didn't see the player. Like, it's not a defence. He, but even Mackay said it's still a red card. I think what he's yeah, saying is right, he's, defending, okay, his, enough, he's, he's defending his player to say he didn't try and do Yang. And, I, yeah. and I'm and i saying I agree with that. I don't yeah, think Yeah, I, I agree do with Yang. that as well. But it doesn't stop it being a red card. I, told, I do no, agree I with that, yeah. yeah. I agree so with that. I guess that's, all, that's the only point I was making is that I don't think he went to do the player, but it's still a red. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, and as you said, and it's not about intent, right? And you can still be dangerous with it, you know. Like, it's why would any player try and over even attempt an overhead kick these days with the way things are going, right? You need to have like three, four yards of space to even try something like that. Otherwise, you're just getting pinged straight away. Uh, that said, Liam Scales had a go at one, didn't he? And uh, I think it's like his second should... attempt in two or three games or something. Like, he needs to calm yeah. it down. Like, and, and look, and I think part of the reason why. I feel nervous about these things is it feels like uh, the game is rigged a bit at the moment. Like uh, I'm pretty annoyed that Stephen Naismith for his comments where he came out on Sunday and said, oh, it feels like everything is going for Celtic and Rangers. I'm like, Hold on. How did we get dragged into this? We were the ones, you know, the last time we played at Tynecastle, Michael Smith handball, you know, stuff like that. I don't know how we were getting embroiled, uh, getting dragged our name into this crap. Uh, it's a standard, isn't it? They all, they'll always pull both. Like, nobody will point the finger just at them getting getting decisions. Well, certainly not, certainly not to... Stephen Naismith, anyway. No, like, no, you know, you're not going to get in and balance that with him. No. Yeah. And, he's def- and he's a deflection king at the moment, anyway, because he must be, like, you know, one loss away from losing his job. But anyway, like... Oh, the Jambos on Twitter, I've, I've lost a shit over the last 24 hours. They want him gone. Even the ones that were maybe showing they, a little bit of calm, but they but... roll they roll over against the Huns every time anyway. So like three 0 I wasn't so three one or whatever ended up. No surprises there. Like all right, they kept it nothing each at half time. Bravo. But I mean, apparently it was turgid and they didn't really create any chances themselves. So yeah, he's he's a dead man walking. Um, but to pick up your point, I suppose when we're talking about that game, David Dickinson doing the wee smirk when Rangers went two 0 up. I mean, case in point of why you're thinking maybe the, the game is rigged or that there's like certain forces out against you, but I mean, far out, like hide it a wee bit better. Um, yeah. But but you know, it's um, it's a it's it's a bit of a worry. And then, all right, well, we're talking about referees, we're talking about officiating. I mean, not yeah, even been goes. able to use the right frame for the offside decision for Maeda because oh. Does a wonderful job finishing that part. So it was Ralston over to Bernardo, who plays it over to Maeda. Maeda runs on, and then Maeda's cut across. And very much like an Ange goal from last year, very direct, you know, getting the whipping the ball across. And O's made that run, and he's he's he's, he's made a really good connection and, and stored. And you're thinking, oh, this is this is good. Like, you know, he deserves that. He's, he was playing well. Um, and then you see the offside decision, and the ball had already left his foot. Uh, on the stool that they'd used. So that's an Andrew Dallas special right there. And then apparently they've wound it back one frame more and made apparently it was still a bee's dick offside. But, um, <clears throat> but you know, they can't even get that right. I'm going to talk about and, that because now here's my point. Do you know sometimes, right, when you're watching a game and you think somebody's had a good shot or a good pass 
and it turns out the ball is actually going out for a throw-in in the wrong direction, and it's just because of the perspective. You can't really tell where the ball's moving. That camera angle, I, there's nothing anyone can say in this world that can convince me that VAR camera angle is better than the angle that that assistant referee had who was running alongside it. There's nothing you're going to convince me that says that was offside. Because if you look at the line drawn in the Ross County player's back, it's halfway along his back, first of all. The way, the position of his body, there's no way from that camera angle to even tell what part of his body is furthest along. There's just no way to tell. Like, they've gone, like, uh, Andrew Dallas, is it? Yeah? It's just gone with, okay, this part of his body is furthest to the right. Well, that's not the... That, that you know, that's like drawing a There's line a depth, on the, the uh, Y yeah. axis instead of the Z axis, which we're trying to judge this on. Perception thing. Yeah. It's like almost ninety degrees in the wrong direction that they're drawing this line. It, it doesn't make any mathematical sense to me whatsoever, and I am not having that. That is clear and obvious. I'm not having that. That 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 is a better decision than the linesman who's running at the correct angle for it, unless they scrap this Poundland crap and start getting more cameras in. Like if we had the Champions League version of VR with like the Hawkeye and the, you know the snapshot yeah. replays, I'm convinced that would have been onside and given us onside if we had that. Well, it's so tight. I mean, at least you'd know. You, well, it's, you just, it's not a be... guess, is it? Yeah. It's a guess with the technology we've got. It's still a guess. And what's the point in having VAR if it's a if it's a guess, right? On on offsides. Mm. Obviously, other stuff is is an opinion, which is why the ref gets pulled across to look at monitors and the like, but offside is supposed to be black and white and it's anything but at the moment. This is yeah. nearly as daft as the Jota is the Jota goal at Far Park last season. Oh and, and who was like the early... and who was and who was the VAR referee that Q- day? Big Q- day oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah man, it's bad. It's bad. Like they can't like what are they doing? Do you know what I mean like they're I hate the camera angle at Dingwall as well. It's just such a it's a horrible game to watch. Like it's just so low down and you can't get any sense of scale on that part whatsoever. Like you compare it to like I obviously I would watched the St. Run game at Celtic Park earlier that day and just the, the comparison is just it yeah, it's just it's, it's just a crap watch. And I know there's not much you can do about that, but like it's just I think, you know, I it's just I've one of those this. oddities of Scottish football, I guess. So. <laughs> I had this about three times in a row Saturday night in my year. I hate this angle. It's like honestly, it like, twice. That's enough. What would it, are they using? Is that a security camera that they're showing? The, I don't even know. Like honestly, it feels like it. Like where, where's that that camera angle? Like when you I go to know. these stadiums, they're just putting people on scaffolding. Do you know what I mean? Like that's what they're doing. They're sticking a camera up in scaffolding for Sky Sports. I've been there, I've seen it. Like it's, I don't know, man. Like it's a shambles. I, I get it, Scottish football is Scottish football, but there's how much money comes in every year from European participation. Invest some of it. If you're not going to make the refs full-time, at least give them good technology. They're just half arse and everything, to be honest. Well, we're on about half arse referee, and you're the resident ref, uh, showing a clear and obvious error on the scales goal. I think not, ah, but... So, yeah, but that one, that one should not have been disallowed in the first place, but... I don't think there's enough to... Because O's got his arm up, there's not clear and obvious grounds to overturn it. So, it should have been a goal. Should have been a goal, but VR shouldn't be overturning it. Ref ref made the wrong call, but VR shouldn't be interfering with that. It's not obvious enough for VR. There would have to be basically clear separation between them. I disagreed with you. Who disagreed? Chris Boyd. Chris Sutton did as well, but Chris Boyd, believe it or not, he disagreed as well. They, in the studio, um, I watched like the. It was I watched it yesterday. Um, they I found on YouTube just the the, the post match from Sky Sports, which I was like, oh, you rarely find this. I'll, I'll have a little look, see what's happening. And um, yeah, basically, Boyd was heavily on the strikers' union side of things and said, as a natural strikers' jump, there's no excessive force, there's no real foul. There's yes, there's contact, but it's a contact sport. Uh, it, 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 he he actually said, "I think there is enough to overturn it as a clear and obvious error because it's not a foul." But uh, I take your point. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. I think that applies to Chris. I doubt Boyd. he's. I doubt he's right twice a day. To be honest, well. twice a year maybe. You just don't want to get into the area of VR re-refereeing games, right? So that's that's kind of what it comes. And that's to, fair right? too. But but then when we've got such bad referees, then. 
you know, maybe there's a case. And then, and then the, the other the, the other point I just want to make, and then we can move off the referees, is the shirt pulling. Because there was a couple of still yeah. images showing Ross County players getting their, their, pulling Celtic players in the box. And a certain team from Gavin, you know, got a penalty that saved their bacon in the league a week ago by that sort of penalty decision being picked up by VAR. And where was VAR? Yeah, nowhere to be seen. So, you know, again, I think what, consistency. I think what that highlights more than anything is that the Huns shouldn't have had a penalty. Well, right. I, 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 I agree. I, 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 you've got to expect a little bit here and there, and I think that's fair enough. But that, you know, they're One of the, the threshold for them getting penalties. The one of the ones I know is that he's got his shirt's half off his back. Like I think I, he's got to pick that up. Like it's he's got a decent. It's like pulled hot. Like it is stretched right away from him. And I, I like. I get that there's always going to be that kind of bit bits of pulling here and there, but the only way to get it's so frustrating. And it's the only way to get rid of it is to clamp down on it. I've got no issue if they start pulling people up for penalties on that, but they've got to get everyone. They can't have yeah. one one week and nobody the next week. It's nonsense so um, the one thing you can see in those styles that you're talking about is that O also has his hand on that player it's not obvious that O is holding the player or not uh, from the images that have been shared uh, but if both players are pulling then you, you tend to either give nothing or give the benefit to the defending team because uh, you know that's more likely to end up in a goal otherwise right and the only other ridiculous decision, which again, this is a bit funny, but Kyogo getting booked by John Beaton in the St. Murn game was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the St. Murn defender yeah. is basically doing an Aussie rules shepherd. So for our Scottish listeners, that's basically AFL. You can sort of try and stop people from getting to the ball and that's within the rules. But basically he was doing that in football, which isn't part of the rules because he wasn't even trying to play the ball. So, I mean, if anything... And he was, he was zigzagging as well. Like, fair enough <laughs> if you're at least holding your position. But he was moving back and forth to block him. The, terrible I thought the decision, decision. Yeah, that was awful. I thought the decision you were going to pick up was in the last one I was going to mention in, in the, this most recent match was uh, the drop ball. Like, oh. um, we were in possession. One. <laughs> one of their players went down and then... He gave the drop back to the was it was it the keeper maybe took the it keeper up? yeah uh, mm-hmm. yeah so no, yeah, he gave, sorry, took, it, no he gave it to the keeper I don't know if it was no but I think I think I think the Laidlaw or one of the defenders took a knock but that wasn't stopped immediately we we retained possession mm-hmm. and he stopped the game and then dropped it back to the, I was like well hang on yeah that's not how it works that's that's where the ball is when you ball us, yeah. with us we were the team yeah. in possession so it was yeah it was a very it was a very poor performance uh, from the ref. And thankfully, VAR obviously stepped in to get the red card right, and that pretty much set the tone for the rest of the game. I obviously both Rogers and um, Forrest in their aftermatch interviews said the classic cliche: it's sometimes harder against ten men. <laughs> but I think in this case, it actually maybe was uh, for a lot of the game because they did just double down and, and, and dig in, as Anthony said, and, and didn't really even attempt to to have any kind of ambition to to do anything other than try and keep us at bay. Um, so yeah. Uh, a frustrating first half um, and uh, thankfully the bull came up with a another cracker from outside of the box. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was actually about to talk about uh, because despite the fact that we'd scored twice, uh, we didn't really look, uh, we had a lot of set pieces, right? And two of them looked kind of decent efforts and it, we weren't really getting space in the wing apart from that one time where we did score a goal. And to be honest, other than those two, kind of, it felt like aberrations. It, it really felt like the most, what I was actually thinking just before David Turnbull pings one into the bottom corner is our most likely route to goal here looks like it's going to be a long range effort from David Turnbull. And then, like 10 seconds later, he, he does score one. Now, David Turnbull, I know that um, those are uh, statistically like a two to three percent chance, right? Probably two percent from the kind of range that we're talking about. So they're very low percentage. So Theoretically, out of 39, even though we had 39 shots, technically, statistically, we shouldn't have scored one, but we scored two. So uh, I don't know how you read into that. You know, is this something we should be relying on as a tactic? Like, should we be shooting from range against these low blocks? Should David Turnbull be getting a, a place in the team because of that? Um, or should we be trying to find more imaginative ways to break this down? Because, and, and, nor- and statistically speaking, these are very low percentage chances. Well, I mean, 
<laughs> I was it, it gave me slightly Ryan Christie vibes because obviously he was the the notorious one from shooting from from everywhere. Um, but I guess when you're set up, when the team you're playing against sets up like that, then you do sometimes have to resort to shooting from distance. Tumble does see me have a bit of a knack. I mean, that's two and two games. So, I mean, that's a, it's a stat. Um, mm-hmm. And this is why the whole, you know, I think raging in our group chat at the moment about like XG points and, you know, where we should be versus like, you know, how much XG we've got and versus the Huns and all the rest of it. Like, I'm sorry, but like, you know, that to a certain extent, yes. But then you just can't legislate for certain things in football. Like you have all the stats in the world, but sometimes somebody destroys a worldie. And I, I'm not saying David Temple shot was a worldie, but I think Palmer's was probably, uh, that was more of a worldie. Like that, that, the dip on that, I mean, that was, that was something else. Um, but you got to, I suppose you've got to try something different because if you keep trying to do the, the passing around the edge of the box and your backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, well, it's got to come with something. So you either keep trying to pass it into the goal and, you know, verily it breaks down, especially when it's, it's packed and it's set up like that. You've got to basically, it's like almost like the Mighty Ducks in ice hockey where they've got to like play it back so the guy has a chance to have a shot on goal without a defender in his way. And that's almost what it feels like at times because once we get encroached and encamped on their box, you kind of feel like that's the only way that we're we're going to score. When it's open or when we're we're transitioning from defense and attack, we can move the ball quickly. And obviously the Maida Maida to O chance got chalked off. Um, I thought Yang was a lot more direct and he was getting to the byline and, and cutting some more crosses in. So again, forcing and creating chances but when you when you go down the line and then you check back in and then you play it from side to side that just gives teams every chance just to set up and then you kind of yeah you do have to resort to those and you know i i I, i'm i know you're saying it's like the low percentage chances but if you're still having 30 shots on goal chances are if they're not going to go straight in, the keeper's going to parry one down at your centre forward, or there's going to, you know, at some point, someone's going to give. So I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but I just think that rather than encamping on their box, we just sometimes just have to play it a bit quicker. And I think some players in the team are a little bit guilty of taking maybe one or two touches more than is necessary, or bypassing a player and just playing that ball a bit quicker rather than having to do the the sort of you know play it through someone just play it past them and just get it on get it on moving a bit quicker yeah and look we did also scales still put a couple of balls in over the top we yeah. had one good chance from Kyogo that came yeah. from that Pillo Bernardo gets a chance one-on-one with like from six yards out against the goalkeeper and those are the ones that are supposed to be like your 30 40 percent uh percentage conversion right so we missed two of those, you know, two of those, and we missed them. Uh, Keeper had great saves, right? There was the Yang one late on, point blank down to his left, and he's, he's a great save there. The Bernardo one's, you know, I've no idea how he, he's just put, kind of gets something on it. That's a great ball in by Turnbull again, actually. So, you know, he's shifted it, made some space, and he's, he's put an absolute, it's a great run by Bernardo, but Turnbull puts it right in the danger area. Um, yeah, I've been, you know, I think they've probably all been reasonable big criticisms of Turnbull, but I was pretty impressed of the level up that he played, um, especially after the drop-off on Wednesday, after he missed his penalty. Um, I was actually calling for him to be dropped and, and to get home in his place, but he played pretty well. And and I, yeah, I take the stats on, on the on the low percentage, but I, however the bat is generally, I would say his percentages are higher because he, he, that's, to me, that's his sort of special skill. That's what keeps him around the squad. He scores, he scores, an above average amount of goals from outside the box. And he's a great, he is a great striker of a dead ball. It's nice to see Cal have one as well. There was that um, mm-hmm. incident a bit before that, where there was a sort of tussle between two or three of our players and their guy went, and I think Murray went down in a heap and, and they, I think he was hoping for a free kick and he didn't get it. And the ball was shifted quickly to Cal and he got in and he, I thought that was in to be honest. It was a really another really good save. Um, and, and whilst they are low percentages and I know Rogers likes to, you know, you know, play the, the low risk game. Um, I think we've been crying out for players to to have the odd shot from outside the box just to mix it up a bit, especially against the low block. Um, 
and you know Palmer obviously hit a worldie, but we kind of knew he had that in his locker um, in the in the bits of footage before we signed, um, and we know that Cal used to score a few more from outside the box and hasn't really you know chipped in for a wee while. Uh, and Turnbull, you know, he has got that. So despite you know some weaknesses across across some of the players in the squad, yeah, I think there's there's definitely got a time for for mixing it up. Um, but yeah, we had we created lots of chances close into the box as well, and and yeah, more often than not. Laidlaw kind of got something on it. In terms of as well, another percentage I looked up just because I was curious about it. Um, because we're, you know, on the topic, once Palma pinged that second one, I was like, well, two of them in one game, right? Like it's that's quite and and you obviously you mentioned individual variants there with Turnbull. Uh if you're interested, my brother had a bet on Turnbull to score from outside the box, and the bookies felt that his odds were nine to one, which is about eleven percent. So that's quite higher than two to three percent. So that's what you say, right? Individual variance. If it was standard variance, then you're talking fifty to thirty-three to one for that sort of thing. But what I did look up was, and again, this doesn't account for individual teams, but the percentage of corners which become a goal is. Uh, going into the box is one point two to one point four percent. It's very low. I knew. So yeah, I knew one in, it was one in I, I seventy. Had a stat like that a year or two ago, and I was really surprised. And it was it came out with I think it was one of the like guys that not again it was a general stat because obviously we've long bemoaned how bad our corner kicks are in terms of actually getting an output. But so I think you know when you hear that stat, it sounds surprising. But then when you, I guess when you when you you know hear it across the the whole game it's sort of uh, i think maybe because in scotland teams especially against us that's one of their main weapons is the long throw the corner and the free kick mm-hmm. so they probably spend way more time on that and you know they've got land of the giants on the go and historically we haven't been very good at defending <laughs> defending set pieces i think we've been a bit better this season um not that i've checked any stats to to back that up but it certainly feels that from the eye test but um yeah, I'd, I'd had heard that it was, it was a low stat, but it still sounds incredibly low because I remember, I think that must have dropped off over the years because you seem to score more mm-hmm. goals from corners in our, in our younger days, surely. Because I remember Sam Allardyce used to play the tactics, right, where if he went route one, then your percentage of attack leading a goal went from 3% to 6% or something like that. His, his logic was it doubled their chances of, of getting a goal from an attack if they went long fine it worked for them i guess technically right he got the england job however briefly and uh <laughs> but uh still, it still seems amazing that that happened but and yeah. even if you go back only 20 years right we were still lining up with bobo baldi yosef haran johan Mialbi across the back line kind of knowing that uh one that this was the kind of attacking route the teams were going to take either going route one or going set piece or whatever and also it gave us, you know, there were so many nights under Martin O'Neill, right, where you win 1-0 and it's, even under Rodgers in his first spell, 1-0 Boyata was such a common scoreline, right? Uh, so I feel like we've, we have gone away from that and I, I don't know if that's good or bad. It, the nature of a centre-back has changed with Carter Vickers and Scales being a Martin O'Neill team? Probably not. Well, Liam like... Scales did, did, did it for one on the weekend, so I mean, you know, it should, it should, it should have, that should have been the statistic right there, but anyway, we'll, we'll, I won't uh, labour that point anymore. Um, just a couple of quick things on David Tumble, and we can move on from this, but I think he does hit a decent dead ball, a better than Matt O'Reilly. I, f- I feel Matt O'Reilly's dead ball delivery leaves a bit to be desired, so I think Tumble does tend to whip in a better ball. And I think the balance of the team with Cal Mac Bernardo being the defensive sort of doing the work allows a Turnbull maybe to have a bit more of a free-flowing role within the team. Admittedly, against 10 men, <clears throat> so and against a lower team opposition in the, the Scottish Premiership. So, you know, take that, read that with a pinch of salt. But I think for the time being, Turnbull has a place in the team within certain games if you've yeah, I, I don't think O'Reilly and Turnbull works for me. I, 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 I still stand by that point. But I just think that he if he gets a bit of a free role, as it were, um, in inverted commas, then, you know, he can produce those sorts of um, moments, um, which, like you say, you know, we that we, going in nothing each first, going in one nil right on the, the cusp of half time, you know, it does still change the complexion of the game. So... And it's a great, like it should we should, you know we should, we should mention that it he he's a great little bit of um, awareness just to shift it slightly 
you know, just shift it to make the gap. And the, 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 I watched it back today. The Ross County defender, he just sets himself off balance on that shift and he just, he loses, he loses his right foot and just slides away from him a little bit. And that's what creates the sort of half yard for him not to be able to close him down. And he puts it pretty much in the only place that, you know, no one's going to stop it. So it's a really, it's a really, really good controlled finish, right? At, as, as you said, right at the death and it, and it absolutely changed the, the click. You know, you go in, you've been, now you feel like you've got what you deserved as opposed to being in super frustrated and you give them an opportunity to sort of buoy themselves and go again after half time. So yeah, it's really important goal. Yeah. And what's more important, and we mentioned this a few weeks ago, is that because uh, the other, our nearest rivals were um, on League Cup duty, what it did was it, it gave us an opportunity to open up an eight point lead. So we, how many games are we in now? Ten? Is it ten games in? Uh, oh, that was that was 11. twelve. What twelve or ten? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah, because Simmerin was one full round of oh, games, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. so mm-hmm. this is the first round again. So yeah, twelve games. So yeah, we now have the looking. I get it, right? Game in hand, etc. But that game in hand yeah. is not worth nine points. So um, <laughs> anytime if someone says, you know, oh, eight point lead, and go, ah, but game in hand. Well, okay, uh, you still need to get another five points back even if you win that yeah look they're they're going through their dead cat bounce uh still getting help from officials was it 66 games now without a penalty conceded in the league uh 66 they, in the league yes yeah more if, if they if they make it to the winter break that's two full years uh two full calendar years um since they last got if, one at abert if <laughs> well <laughs> Like the the at the weekends, the the Hearts player got sent off, right, and then it got overturned to a Hearts penalty, right? So yeah, the default was position to send off the the opposition yeah. rather than risk giving a penalty. Absolutely, it's, it's I watched that again. I have you seen the penalty incident? I have not actually. I, 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 oh, I the, the, the keeper. It's under Clark. I don't know why he was no, doing. No, no, no. Like, I mean, that, that's the yeah, that's means, the penalty they got given. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's marginal. Like unless his leg mm. catches him, his our hands certainly don't. He's already going down. I meant the Hearts penalty. Yeah, so yeah, maybe yeah. but that but the hearts penalty, I'm still not hundred percent sure of the contact, right? Like he was adamant there was contact because he said he was you know, when he got the red, yellow and then the red, he was so but the but the one replay that the highlight showed, one, uh wasn't particularly clear, but I think there might have been contact from there must have been a better angle, but we never got to see it on the replay. So mm-hmm. but yeah, just 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 funny that that's the default position. It has to it has to it's be a dive rather than so a bizarre. penalty against them. I don't understand how this is happening. Like how they're the the last thing a team went two seasons without conceding a penalty was Barcelona, and they're currently under investigation uh, for that pay, that period of time for uh, paying millions of euros to the head of referees at that time. Uh, or sorry, excuse me, paying it to his consultancy firm, not to him. Well, to be clear, it I don't think it can be that because I'm pretty sure Rangers haven't got millions of euros to pay to referee it's true but they've got lots of nice handshakes haven't they and uh yeah i guess like well they didn't have millions of euros when they were chucking out ebts either so you know I that's don't true know. yeah i'm sure they're figuring something out uh so we talked about turnbull uh, and i don't know if you listened to the guys earlier but they talked a lot about um this kind of bernardo versus home debate so you can weigh in on that if you want but they went into that in quite a lot of depth so i wouldn't spend too much time on it they also talked about O, so I don't know if you guys want to follow up on any of their thoughts on those topics, or if you, there's any other players you wanted to talk about in particular. Well, I think last week, Sean, uh, Paul and I discussed O. I think we discussed it for a wee bit at length, and we kind of felt a wee bit sorry for the guy because he's he's a developing player. He's young. He needs game time. It's not that he's better than Hugo or whatever. It's just the fact that we're gonna yeah you know, we're gonna need him because he's ultimately the you know, the alternative striker when Kyoto's not available. So, you know, he needs game time. And, you know, you kind of felt that, <clears throat> you know, a start is probably due to come from at some point because he needs, you know, he, as you say, as we said, you come off the bench with 20 minutes to go, 15 minutes to go, the team's already changed by then. So you're generally playing with second string players. So you're not getting the service and the the quality that you would necessarily get starting in the game so i'm a bit gutter for the guy because you know he scored a good goal all right it chopped off it was very 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 marginally offside allegedly um so you're kind of saying well you know he got that goal you think well that's just rewards because he put it i thought he put a good shift like you know he was there thereabouts he's been 
you know, again, I, you know, James Forrest, he got on the store sheet and he'd been chapping at the door for weeks. Oh, you know, I mean, obviously he got the winner against St. Martin. It was a, that's a brilliant goal, by the way. That was a, for a team goal that's up there with what was scored this season. The number of passes and the interplay, Kyodo a home to um to to oh <clears throat> a very sure finish and a great first touch as well, I might add. Um, which kind of made me think that home might have got a wee nod to start. But I guess when you look at the number of other changes that you make, then you're sort of saying, well, maybe that was just a wee bridge too far and yeah, his time will come. But I was thinking about this driving home from work tonight, and I'm sort of thinking that are we stronger as a team at the moment as we were maybe last season or the season before under Ange Postacoglu? And I'm thinking, no, we're probably not. But I feel in another half a season, you know, a bit, a bit more development, we'll have more options than Ange did at any point in time. Ange had a very core group of 13, 14 players, and that was it. I feel that we're home, you know, if we keep developing O, oh, we've got Bernardo, um, you know, Palmer, we've got obviously yeah. a bad come back from injury. Yeah. Yang, Yang's put in, you know, he's, he's become more direct, which was the criticism that we had of him last week that he wasn't, there's was no end product. You're starting to build up a bit of a, a bit of a depth, a bit of a well. And I know a couple of weeks ago we were bemoaning that, you know, Hibbs game, or there was no way to come off the bench or whatever. But it's amazing what two games does. But all of a sudden you start featuring some other players and they perform and you're going, well, actually, there's a player there. And it's how do you keep developing that? And I think. That's the thing that we can never really quantify because we're not seeing them at training. But you, you, we're dealing with young players and they need time and they need development on the pitch as much as off the pitch, but on the pitch as well. And, you know, Brennan's come out and said that if he signs any players in January, they're going to be ready to go. Like, you know, that we've got enough projects. That's fair enough. But you've got to expect that these players are going to come on a ton. And, and I'm not running all over the place here, and you know, forgive me, but Liam Stales. I mean, did anyone predict <laughs> at the start of the season that he would be your first choice defender? I mean, he's played the most minutes out of all the the defenders that we have. I mean, who saw that coming? But here we are. And is he the answer in the future? Who knows? But you'd say that he has grasped his chance, <laughs> he's grasped his chance better than any player we've had come out of the, the blue in, you know, a while. I mean, Welsh had his chance last season, the season before, and he did all right. But you'd say that Stales has actually grown into the position and actually thinking, well, you know, it, Narofsky and, and Labrador-Bielka are going to have to fight tooth and nail to get that spot back. It's not a, it's not going to be a fake complete that they're going to sail back in there. I mean, might be, might be a better player on paper, but they're going to have to work very, very hard to dislodge him now because, I mean... He's done a he's done a job, and the thing about like you don't really swap your centre backs, right? Um, and and even though Navrotsky's probably the long term uh, player in that position, he's not in the Champions League squad either. So there's no there's no rush to get him back in. Like I say, you don't really chop and change your centre backs, other than obviously look. It sounds like if you believe some rumours that CCV maybe might not be able to play two games every single week, so we might see a little bit more rotation. Um, if that is if that's true, apparently he's got some fluid off his knee the other the other week. So um, hopefully he can he can continue to to play at least the most important games and look that gives other people a go. Um, last thing I'd say on O, yeah, yep, yeah, I thought he had a really good game. It's a shame he didn't get another goal because that would have just put the tin lid on it. But um, he like he you saw had this frustration at the well you saw a bit of a wry laugh when the goal was uh, when when the scales goal was chopped off because he was basically, I didn't barely touched him. Um, and then obviously he looked a bit bamboo, bamboozled when the, the offside goal was chopped off. He was in the back of the net sort of wondering what was going on. Um, but then he was hugely frustrated right near the end when that shot, you know, that one broke to him. And again, he, he, he sort of lashed it and somehow Laidlaw got something on it and blocked another one. But um, he, he was um, a key part of the, the third goal um, because there was a, a sort of stramash on the edge of the box and there was two or three Ross County players going for it, but he's the one that sort of bullied his way in there and managed to get some sort of touch and that sort of then broke out to to Palmer and then obviously he plays a, 
a great ball in with his his uh, his weaker foot. And uh, yeah, Jamesy's nipping in for his fourth headed goal in his Celtic career, apparently over fifteen seasons. And, and and yeah, a goal in fifteen consecutive seasons. So while we've got this, uh, I don't know if anyone else has picked up this little stat. Anyone else see the the tweet this week uh, about? other Celtic players that have scored in consecutive seasons and, and how many they were. No. Anthony's got it. He's digging it out now. I can, I'm I can finding it right now. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure. So, I, so, oh, no, I didn't, I didn't like it. I, 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 I can't yeah, see so it. I've, got, I've, got it, I've got it here, right? So basically, in, I think it was maybe in the Sky Sports, Sky Sports coverage, classic, no research from those two or three. Um, somebody went, I can't think if there's a Celtic player that will have scored in 15 consecutive seasons. Well, I can tell you that I there is. Jimmy McGrory, sixteen seasons for Jimmy McGrory. Do you want, like? Have we got? To, have we got? To, well, we've still got fifteen minutes. Do you want to have a crack at any others, Sean? Uh, Jimmy Johnston, maybe? No, he probably didn't play fifteen. No, uh, he he did, but he missed. There was one season he didn't. He got injured. Uh, oh. So yeah, um, Fallon, Sean Fallon. No, no. Bobby Murdoch uh, was on the list, wasn't he? He got 11. Yeah, so the list started at 11. Bobby Murdoch was at the, the bottom of this list. Pat, but, um, Patsy Gallagher? Patsy Gallagher, also 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because we get to a stage where people stop hanging about after that. Mm, thinking Billy McNeil might not have scored in one season. Nah, there's a couple of there's a there's a there's a couple of uh, obvious ones, and then there's a few, there's one the quite surprising one. So I'll run through it. Uh, John Yogi Hughes, 12, Stevie Chalmers, 12, Sandy McMahon, 13. I'm going to come back to this one because I think it's quite a little quirky one. James Forrest, Patsy Gallagher, 15, Jimmy Quinn, 15, Paul McStay, 16 seasons in mm. a row he scored. Uh, Jimmy McGrory, we've touched on 16 as well. Bobby Lennox, 17 seasons in a row. And Jimmy McMenemy, uh, 18 seasons. I think that goes hmm. back to, you know, the, the 19, 1900s or 1920s around that time. So, um, Pretty impressive. But the one that stood out to me, 14 consecutive seasons, Roy Aiken. Mm. Yeah, he, he, I think he lo- took penalties for a while. He did take penalties, right? So mm. in a lot of those seasons, he only scored one goal, typically mm. often from the penalty spot. You're right. You're quite right, Sean. But yeah, 14 consecutive seasons, Roy Aiken. I thought that was pretty impressive because he played laterally at a lot of his uh, career at, at centre-back and, and certainly more defensive. And the only Celtic captain whose dad was Jamaican. Well, there you go. I've got, I've got a wee stat here as well. That's so terrible. After... That's the kind of stuff I expect when I'm on that other channel. Yeah. <laughs> dear, oh dear. After 12 league games over the last 10 seasons, we have got our third highest points haul in the last 10 seasons. So in last season, we were 33 points at this stage. And then in the 2016-17 season, we were 34 points at this stage. So after that, 32 points is the third best. So mm. I think we're tracking pretty well, especially considering we've had quite a lion's share of away matches early on this season. Trips well, yeah. to We've been to Petodre, Pancastle, Easter Road, Mordor. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even sure that makes part. much of a difference these days, you know, because like, you're getting the low block command away, so I'm not even sure it matters. I think we play. I, I do think we play better at home. I do think we tend to, to to win games more comfortably at home. I'm pretty sure the stats would show that as well. But um, yeah, I just think you know having all of those in the first round, which means I guess we'll have them all again in the third round. But um, mm-hmm. but it means the Huns have got a, a tough run leading up to Christmas. Surely you think it does, yeah. Yeah, it does. They've got a harder run from basically here to the to the winter break and maybe just after it. But they've already recycled their manager, so they're they're under dead cat bounce stage phase for that. Yeah, I know. That doesn't last forever. Yeah, it doesn't, but it last for a bit. Lasted for a while for Michael Beale, so you know, it will last. Until we put them down, it'll last. you know, it's, they're not gonna yeah, get yeah. off it before yeah, yeah, they yeah, play yeah, us, right? Yeah. They're not gonna get a reality yeah. check before they play us. So they're gonna have it till end of December, you would say. Right, let's do man in a match for Unless there's anything else you want to cover before we do that, any no, I think I, I was written just, down burning points. The, the forest thing was always ready to touch on, but we've touched on that, so that's all good. So fair mm-hmm. play. Okay, Anthony, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, it's actually uh, not, uh, not as obvious as it's been in. No, this weeks. is this this is true, and we haven't discussed. I think there's a choice. Of, I think there's a choice of three. So I think there why there is, but I'm actually going to go with Louise 
Palmer hmm. because he scores an absolute brilliant goal. I mean, the dip on that, keeper's never getting there. No keeper's getting there for that. Um, he seemed to have a bit of energy when he came on. And then the thing that he did, which he hasn't really done much of since we've seen him, is that he actually got to the byline and cut the ball back for James Forrest, and he absolutely just hangs it in the air. It's just perfect ball. It's just over the center defender. It's just hanging. It's just crying out for a finish. And we Jamesy does the inspector gadget, sets the head out, and uh, 3-0, thank you very much. So for me... We kept, not a cameo team, it was on for about half an hour, so decent, decent um, thing off the bench. But just, as you say, Sean, just put the, uh, just sealed it and made sure there was no danger of any uh, last minute shenanigans up in uh, Dingwall. So, yeah, he's my man of match this week. Paul, who's your three, hey. you reckon? And which one? Well, you can definitely make a case for Palmer, um, albeit, yeah, relatively short time. And I did give it to, um, player that came on it i gave it i don't know who i gave it to last time it came off the bench but um the other two for me are scales and o um but given that there wasn't that much attacking to do i'm gonna give it to o yeah interesting uh, uh, yeah i thought o was good i thought um i thought uh, scales and mcgregor were both good as well uh, i thought yang was in with a shout for me uh, but I think the one I would give it to, and Palmer, obviously, goal and assist. Uh, I thought he was made a difference in terms of quality. And I'm seeing a lot of the the Hutton starting to go. Like, <laughs> why did we not sign? Why did we reject this guy? Like, they're, they're starting to reject. Because you didn't have the money. That's reject. why you, that's yeah. why you didn't sign him. He Wasn't rejected you, us. not the other way around. Yeah, they came out straight away. As soon as he signed for us, they got that narrative out there, didn't they? We, we yeah. didn't. We chose not to sign you. You didn't choose not to sign for us. We dumped they, you. Um, they lost the plot when we scored the forty. What the forty ninth minute or the fifty first minute, however, of the first half. Going, they always do that. Oh yeah, so they were like they lost, they lost their mind with that as well. Hans, so that's uh, mm. it's always good. Stick, stick but I'm I'm actually going to give my vote to the person who I thought and I, I mentioned it already, was the only one who looks like he had something in his locker to unlock uh, Ross County uh, times the day, uh, times on Saturday and that uh, David Turnbull. Uh, I, know I, I get really frustrated with him at times and I've said in the past that I'm, like he's done with, for me as a Celtic player, like he's not the quality we need. And I, I stand by that, but you know, you can still, you still have a good game. He's still a past player of the year and he had a good game on Saturday. No, he, he he did have a good game on Saturday. You can't you can't knock the guy. I mean, like, I mean, he <clears throat> made the argument that like, yeah, he's not the answer. He's not this or ever. But at the end of the day, we're reviewing the game that happened on the weekend, and it was a good game. So I mean, you know, and like I said, there's there's reasons for that, and I think you know. But you're right. He, he scored a good goal, and I thought his dead ball delivery was good. So I can totally see why you know you made that call. But this is the first split decision we've had. I think all season because usually two of the three of us. Yeah, there's usually, there's agree, usually agree a, on someone. Yeah, there's usually a, a majority that carries it. Um, so I, 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 so sorry, I was just going to say I understand the frustration with Turnbull. He frustrates, I think, every Celtic fan to one degree or another. I think the f- reason why the frustration is as high as it is is because there's clearly a player there, right? There is clearly a player there. His passing, his finishing, are both excellent. Um, you've got players like Matt O'Reilly coming out defending him in interviews saying, you know, this guy deserves to have more minutes. Uh, but then he, he doesn't seem to have the energy and athletic desire or ability to to put the work rate in that he probably needs to be an absolute top player at Celtic. And if that's the case, he's only ever going to fill in around these type of matches. Um and and not really, but I guess you know a few couple of minutes. And I know they, you know, the, the earlier show that we'll have touched on this, I'm sure. But does he, you know, does he does he keep his jersey for for what will be tonight? Um, I guess this will go out on Tuesday. So does he keep his does he keep his jersey for that, or do we? Is it more tactical? No, uh, Matt, no, Matt O'Reilly comes back in. AJ comes back in. <clears throat> and then... So O'Reilly automatically comes back in. So then it's between home Bernardo. And and DT for for well, that. I think, other got, I think you've got to play Bernardo. I you need the defensive. You need that shift. 
And I think Bernardo div, div, gives you that, and especially with Atati being out. And I mean, we, we surprisingly we haven't mentioned Atati because you know, obviously when you win three 0 like you know, you kind of forget who's not available. But um, no, I think for me in Europe over there, you don't really need defensive cover, so you don't really need athletes, so you don't really need Bernardo and um, O'Reilly. AJ comes back in. You got made on one flank. I'd probably revert back to Palmer starting on the other flank. Kyogo back up front. And then at least you can say, well, we can bring no on to to put a shift in if we're we're chasing it or you know we're we're trying to hang on or you know we're trying to damage control whatever way it falls. But um yeah, I think that I think our strongest team still is, you know, that's pretty clear. But the thing for me is it's having confidence and players off the bench to say well can you come on and impact this game and yang's showed a few flashes in the last couple of games you know so there's a few that the, oh there's a few players there that are now starting to step up a wee bit tumble so you know if they come off the bench you think well all right they might be able to do something but a few weeks ago you're sort of scratching your head going well brendan rogers doesn't trust these players otherwise he'd have made changes and all the rest of it so um the narrative can shift pretty quickly but um, I think we're going to be up against it over in Madrid, to be honest. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I think you've called that team right there, and we're we're not yeah, going to. It's well. late in the pod, and the pod and the guys covered us in a bit more depth. Uh, so, to give our toppings worth, we can we'll probably just do a quick round of uh, score predictions, and then we'll do our final thoughts. So, Anthony, what do you think the score will be? I think we're going to get done two 0 Paul. I think we probably will get done as well, but I'm going to be trying to be mildly optimistic and say that we can somehow sneak a point on each. The, the point of those guys are all predicting Celtic wins, some of them by two clear goals, uh, which was bizarre to me considering we've conceded two goals in every game so far in the Champions League. I can't, there's uh, no, I can't see how we keep a clean sheet, so no, we're going to have to score to get anything. Six goals across three games. Two, or two, yeah, anyway, I think we're going to lose 3-1. To me, I think we play quite defensively and we rely on Kyogo and Meira's pace and or a set piece to try and get something. Uh, stranger things have happened, but I still see us losing 3-1, right? Plucky, plucky loser kind of thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, any final thoughts, Anthony? Um, the fourth season of For All Mankind uh, gets released or starts getting released from this Friday. Um, so that is on Apple TV. It's an alternative history. Basically, um, the Russians get to the moon before the Americans. So it kicks off a space race that basically never ends. So the three seasons are on Apple TV already. I highly recommend it. It's very, very enjoyable. And every season it steps forward like a decade. So like you, it just sees the progression. So um, yeah, it's um, yeah, I really enjoy it. And I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to that coming out um, this week coming. Oh, yeah. I'd say it's been on my list to get into, but four seasons is uh I've got a couple other things on the go. Just started billions, believe it or not, the other day. So yeah. I've got however many seasons of that to get through. Um, yeah, my recommendation, oh, wow. music recommendation. Um, one of my favorite bands, Everything Everything, um, have released uh, a new single called Reactor, um, which is a lead into a new album in, I think, March or April of next year. So that's quite exciting. Uh, so yeah, Everything Everything, Cold Reactor ahead of the new album next year. Cool. Um, I've been watching Killing It, which is a show with Craig Robinson, you know, the guy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the one with the uh, the, the afro that's uh, the Pontiac. Anyway, him, he's, uh, it's about him trying to kill snakes. It's all right. It's okay. I wouldn't, like, it's not, not a glowing endorsement. Like, if you're looking for something to pass the time. If you're, if but, you're recovering from surgery and you've got yeah. time on your hands, stick it on. It's a bit of a no-brainer show that's kind of made well, even though the subject matter is really kind of poor and terse, to be honest. But yeah, it's, yeah, you know, as what it is. Uh, anyway, uh, other than that, I'll just say, do all the social stuff. Please like this uh, episode of uh, The Weekend Review. Please follow us on all the places that we can be found. Uh, say nice things about us to your friends if you talk about us, which you probably won't, but if you do. Um, other than that... Uh, hoping for a positive result in Atletico and speak to you all later. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Hail, hail.
Sports Social Podcast Network.